Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello, and welcome to Syndicates, where we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. I'm your host, Armand Haddad, and welcome to episode four. This season, we are exploring the hidden gems of films, or films you probably passed over watching. Joining me in the studio today is Anthony. Anthony, how are you doing today? I'm well, how are you? I'm good. Currently, Anthony is a student advisor for a university here in the Chicago area. So I would say, Anthony, you are very accustomed to the idea of individuality by guiding and helping students find their way in college. Especially at the, with it being online, it's no personal contact, so you have a, it's a different kind <laughs> of form of communication, email, phone. Would you say it's easier or harder? Hard. You lose something when it's not face-to-face, uh-huh. so there's a different type of way to get your point across, make sure the students understand because you know, you kind of lose that when you're not face to face. I would think like with more technology, it would be easier to reach people. It is, but it's sometimes a challenge, especially if they're overseas, active military. So it could be a challenge. It's always a challenge. Speaking of individuality and technology are central themes in the film we are about to discuss. And that is THX 1138. Let's get into it. What were your thoughts going into the movie? And what did you think the movie was before watching it? Well, when I saw the brief plot summary of the movie, it reminded me immediately of a recent movie called Equals, distributed by A24. I think that's Kristen Stewart. So I was thinking something along the lines of forbidden love because of where society has, I guess, digressed to instead of progressed. Right. But also, when this movie was made, was it 1971? Yes, 1971, directed by George Lucas. Yeah, well, that's what got (laughs) me really excited, because for me, I only know George Lucas through Star Wars. Mm -hmm. 
kind of put it out there. Not Indiana Jones fan. I saw Crystal <laughs> Skulls, which I know everyone hated. I thought it was pretty good. But <laughs> <laughs> so I only know George Lucas through Star Wars. Okay. So when I saw that this was his first movie, I got excited. I'm like, okay, it's something different, but still along the science fiction themes. Yeah. But I also thought it was going to be corny. Usually science fiction movies in that era mm -hmm. could either be Stanley Kubrick or B-movie, like cringy. Like Barbarella? Yeah. And I thought it was going to be more sort of the cringy, but I was pleasantly surprised that it felt like a Stanley Kubrick movie, okay. how it was filmed, the tone. Yeah. I could totally see it be like an offshoot of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Like, not exactly Earth, but like maybe like a colony or like a wayward alien civilization that those astronauts would encounter. Like in the same universe as yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey, for oh, yeah. sure. Since we're talking about THX 1138, a thing that we like to do at Syndicate is called the 60-second elevator pitch. So when you're recommending a movie to somebody, like they always ask, well, what's the film about? So this is your chance to explain the entire plot of the movie without major spoilers in 60 seconds. Are you ready? I'm ready. And go. All right. THX 1138 is a dystopian science fiction film where a vague, unknown kind of maybe government agency has controlled its population by taking medications to suppress any kind of emotion. Um, so THX 1138 is the main character. 30 everyone, seconds. Everyone has uh, uh, a designation. And uh, so basically uh, his drugs get messed up and uh, he goes on this little fugitive adventure to uh, find out the secret of what's going on. Wow, with 10 seconds to spare. Yeah, that's pretty much the whole plot. It's a very simple movie. So let's talk about the setting. The movie opens up. We're introduced to a world that's quite alien to ours. I would say it's very of the time, very 60s aesthetic, which is like concrete buildings, white. Lots of white. And I think it's because the budget was so low. I think I actually looked it up. I was curious. I think it was $777,000 budget for that time. Uh -huh. So I think for present time, it was only a few million. And I think it only grossed a couple million in that time. So it wasn't a big yeah. box office success. I would say that's probably a dud. You know what's funny? Um, so George Lucas was kind of like the protege of Francis Ford Coppola. And Francis Ford Coppola instructed him like, hey, you need to write a screenplay for me. Like, this will be your first movie. And George Lucas was like, okay, let me make it a science fiction film. Very avant-garde science fiction film. Mm -hmm. And as I was watching, I haven't seen it since I was like a young boy because I was a fan of Star Wars. I was like, let me see George Lucas's earlier work. So I watched that with American Graffiti and seen THX, his first film. I don't know, maybe that molded me as an artist because it's so weird. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very strange movie and the dialogue doesn't really explain everything to you you kind of like have to make inferences of what's happening yes and actually that's one of the big critiques i have mm -hmm. of the film for me there's a difference between making your own inferences and this 
just almost omitting a lot of context because the movie's only an hour and 20 minutes long. Yep. I feel like you could have added on some time just to give us a little more context on some of the characters' motives. Yeah, and apparently the lack of context was deliberate from Lucas because he wanted to create a film that wasn't a film about aliens for humans. It was like if we were opening a door in an alien civilization and just like peeking in. Because like if you were to do that in real life, you wouldn't know what's happening. But the movie opens up with THX 1138 and his roommates, LUH. So what did you think of their dynamic? It was interesting because, and that's going back to what we were talking about, her motive was, it was interesting, but I wanted, you know, a little bit more context on that. So basically she was in love with him. Mm -hmm. And in order for him to feel that back, she adjusted the government sanctioned prescription medication everyone gets in order for him to you know be able to feel love so they had some very passionate scenes Mm -hmm. in the film throughout but you know her motive how she got off the medication i think was a little bit unclear as well right it wasn't really explained how she got off but it's definitely explained through thx like how he got off because like you said she messed with his medication to keep him in line from what I gathered, why they take so much medication is to be kind of like an efficient machine creating robots. And then we find out later in the movie that it's a society run by robots. Like, how did the robots get in charge in the first place? That and I found a little Easter egg in there. I don't know if you noticed it, but his job is to build robots. And did you notice that that one looked like C-3PO? I th- yeah, a little bit. So um, we watched the director's cut of uh, THX 1138, and so it has um, better special effects or improved special effects. So I think George Lucas wanted to make a little nod, a little wink to his main audience, the Star Wars fans, by making the robot look kind of like C-3PO. Definitely gold, <laughs> shiny yeah. gold. Yeah, he's building Goldenrod over there. And speaking of Goldenrod... Like, so they're nuclear-powered robots? Is that what you gathered? Yeah, it looked like some kind of uranium-type cylinder that he needed to drop in there. And, of course, under that kind of pressure, he buckled to it, you can say, as he Mm -hmm. dropped it a few times and caused a near meltdown. Yeah. So he's building these robots, and we find out earlier in the movie that a meltdown occurred, and this huge explosion happened, and some workers died. And there's a booming voice over the intercom saying, like, be alert, avoid workplace casualties. And that was like the precursor to what's going to happen with THX, which is that he's going to get off his medication and he has a very stressful job. And it doesn't help that the government knows that he's not taking his medication. They're like keeping an eye on him. So they do a mind freeze or something, which scrambles his brain, which almost destroys the entire plant. And that was one of my favorite scenes when they found out that he was off his drugs and they're kind of basically controlling him remotely and he's in this room by himself. It's all white. A lot of the scenes where there's punishment or something going on, you don't see any depth. It's just like this white, endless abyss and they're controlling him remotely and you know moving his arms and his legs and making him almost like seize on the floor. So it yeah. just shows the kind of power that these overlords have. Oh, yeah. Very creepy. So let's get into the dystopian nature of this film. 
uh, for me growing up when I watched this, I think this was one of the first dystopian type movies I watched. So I think that molded my tastes in movies because it's definitely a, an interesting outlook because when you look towards the future, you think it's going to be like optimistic and hopeful, but the opposite can happen. With it being a George Lucas movie, you know, being so used to Star Wars, everything's about hope and good overtaking evil. Yep. And it was funny that his first movie was the complete opposite <laughs> of that, yeah. which is not something I was expecting. There was never a moment in the film where you felt like THX was going to overcome it. Right. Like throughout the entire movie, like you feel like he can get snatched up or caught or killed at yeah. any moment. It's kind of like the Game of Thrones of sci-fi. It's like, is he going to make it? I don't really know. And what helped build on that tension is... And why I also felt that connection to like 2001 A Space Odyssey is that a lot of the scenes were very drawn out mm -hmm. where it helps build that anxiety, especially at like the scene after he was caught. He was in a prison with some other people who were caught for whatever reason. And just the scenes were very drawn out. And you see like kind of how these people are off the medication right. and how they truly feel about things. And you know what's interesting about those other inmates that he's with? So THX is, you know, THX, and then his lover was LUH. I interpreted THX as an acronym for sex, which is forbidden in their society. And then LUH is love, which is also forbidden. So his cellmates, one of them was called NCH, which can be short for Nietzsche. And like all of his dialogue is aligned with Nietzsche's teachings. And then PLO is short for Plato. And like, same thing with that actor. All of his dialogue can be similar to uh, Plato. So I thought that was like interesting that George Lucas put those Easter eggs in there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's thematically important because THX is trying to break out of his prison in his head, in the cell, and the society that he's in. And I think that's very prevalent in a lot of dystopian movies where you have the protagonist and then they realize the world that they live in, and then they want to get out. I think a similar film to uh, THX 1138 is 1984 and A Brave New World. Like, did you get those vibes at all? Yeah, definitely. Like George Orwell, that was one thing that definitely came to mind watching it, Stanley Kubrick, as far as, you know, the cinematography goes. But yeah, it, it definitely, that seemed like a popular theme in those years of the late 60s, early 70s, because I think it was mm. that technological transition. Yep. And I think a lot of people feared that. And this is kind of the art that came out from it. And we're still going through that today with artificial intelligence. Yep. You know, how is that going to impact our lives? And there's definitely a lot of parallels you can draw from, you know, late 60s, early 70s mm -hmm. to now where we're still fearing the same things. Yeah. Going off of that, I would say the movie is definitely a reflection of 60s life because you have the consumerism aspect of it which is so THX throughout the entire movie it seemed like he's like a, a religious man because he atones and he prays to a picture of Jesus was that Jesus it was Jesus okay like I thought it was kind of their state edited version of Jesus yeah it's weird because like it's like a 17th century picture of Jesus so I don't know how this alien civilization found it. Maybe maybe it's like the far future where like humanity has like destroyed and maybe they found like this remnant from our civilization. But 
every single line of dialogue because he's in the confession booth like confessing to uh, this picture and what the picture says is buy more be happy it's all like a pre-recorded response Mm -hmm. so there is an an actual interaction going on between the two which It's obvious to the viewer, but I think in THX's mind, I don't think that was anything that he may have picked up on because he Mm -hmm. was just confessing to this portrait as if, you know, there was a real human being there and was giving him meaningful guidance. Right. That was actually one of my favorite scenes just because I think it just depicted the attitude of what's going on in this dystopian world. And then he ends the confession with, you are a true believer, blessings of the state, blessings of the masses, work hard, increase production, prevent accidents, and be happy because they were very proud that in the last period, they only lost 195 workers compared to 242 by the competitor. (laughs) The competitor. Makes you think, like, who is the competitor? Is it like another civilization? We don't get any uh, access to that in Mm -hmm. film. Yeah. And then, like, later on in the movie, which I really enjoyed. So, like, when he's on meds, like, he gets those pre-recorded messages and he, like, believes it. And then when he goes back to the confession booth off his meds, he gets sick in the confession booth and he, like, throws up and he's, like, not responding to the painting. And the painting is just giving those canned responses of, like, yes, yes tell me more you are a good believer and it's like i think he knows it yeah it's like it reminded me of like a therapist who's totally checked out of their patient's uh session so they're sitting on their chair playing hangman or something like in their notepad (laughs) because they really don't care (laughs) what's being said yeah and then like later on in the movie another character sen who was in the prison with thx he ends up finding the TV production area for those paintings. So it's like an image that's being recorded and being sent out. And he still believes up until the end. Well, THX, kind of like the Wizard of Oz moment where you see behind the curtain and realize it's all a sham. And then another link to like 60s life is the fear aspect, like both towards uh, the government, like the overruling power, like you must comply and obey, and also the fear of being different because THX embodies individuality while the rest of civilization embodies uniformity. They're shaved heads. They're all white clothing. Everyone taking meds to be, you know, essentially robots in flesh. The part that really stands out to relate it back to 60s life is the trial scene when they find out he's been having, you know, sex with LUH and they call him an erotic. Yeah, I remember that. I remember laughing out loud to that one. Yeah. <laughs> It was a very interesting way to put it. It was like McCarthyism. Like, I think there was like a lawyer figure saying like, my client has never been or has never thought of being an erotic, which parallels, I have never been, nor am I a communist. I thought that scene was very interesting because what we knew of the society up until that point, everything was very structured, very black and white, no gray area. And I felt that this scene was interesting because they had a trial. Leading up to that point, it felt as if if you had done something wrong, that was it. And mm-hmm. you were going to be sent to whatever punishment, you know, that was there. So I thought that was very interesting that they did argue over the crimes that he was being accused of because it didn't seem as if anyone would have had 
an opportunity to be, you know, not convicted of the crime that they were on trial for. Yeah, it made it seem like if you fell out of line, you were taken out very quickly. But it seems like they want to keep people around because it would be, I guess, harder to, you know, replace everybody. Would you say that the fears of the 60s are still relevant today? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, circling back to what I talked about with AI, um, I think, you know, and this was obviously something brought up in our current presidential elections and debates yep. with uh, there's there is a fear that with amongst, you know, working class people that slowly they can see that artificial intelligence is replacing those jobs. Where does that AI takeover start? It's going to start somewhere. And obviously along the production line is kind of the ground zero for it. And then obviously in this movie, we don't know where the starting point was, but we could, you know, let's just assume that they follow the same lines that we're dealing with in 2020. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it, the AI went from building cars. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. To being our overlord. So I think that that has always been something that's hung over the heads of humanity. And I don't know if a lot of people take it seriously. People are. Like presidential candidate Andrew Yang, that was his big platform. And that may have been the first time that was ever really seriously discussed right. in a presidential you know, debate or election or anything like that. And that but that's why I feel like, you know, it that notion is out there. But I don't know how serious it really is taken by the masses. Right. Um, I think you need to be working in those fields to kind of see what's happening. I mean, just the other day, I was at Taco Bell, and they don't even have uh, cashiers anymore. It's you, you walk in, and they've got screens set up, really? and you just order off the screen, and then they, it, you know, goes to their computer in the back. Wow. And they make and bring it out. So, I mean, there's still obviously workers to make the food, Mm -hmm. but they've eliminated, you know, basically a cashier position. So you could see that AI has already taken over. Yeah. And that's for the bottom line to like save money. But I could totally see it morphing and becoming like a larger issue if it's unchecked. I think that's ultimately the fear is we'll be enslaved by our own creation. Yes. There's a lot of people like of prominence that are worried about AI. Stephen Hawking, before he passed away, 
He was talking about the dangers of AI and how we should not proceed with it. Uh, Steve Wozniak also voiced his concerns, saying, like, this is not a good idea. Elon Musk also said AI is not a good idea. So, like, all these people that know technology are saying, do not proceed with AI, and yet we're not listening. It's all about that bottom line. Do you think there are people that want to be enslaved by robots? I mean, it would make life easier, wouldn't it? It would. But I think that AI also opens up the possibility of things that humanity can't access. So while there's a fear, I think there's also an excitement. Like, let's use the example of Mars. Mm -hmm. Currently, we can't send humans to Mars. But what if we had the ability to put a robot just like us on the planet where we can almost live that experience vicariously through that AI you know, so Mars has only been explored via, you know, rovers, but right. to have that human touch to it, I think would be a big step if, you know, down the road that if we were to colonize, I think AI would have to be the front line and being able to do something like that with since, you know, space is the final frontier. It really is. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. I mean, it would make sense if we could create a robot that is humanoid and like explore that way. I guess Boston Dynamics needs to step up their game and get yeah. some robots. Yeah, let's shoot them off in a SpaceX rocket. And let's take it a step further. So I'm sure you are familiar with alien life. Yeah. Very familiar with alien life. <laughs> so you love ancient aliens, right? Not so much anymore. I was. I was like oh, I know. on board with that. <laughs> like in the heyday of ancient aliens, I was on board. I think a lot of what those theories that they present, I think there is some merit to it, but you know, once we start talking about is Bigfoot an alien or, (laughs) or all that stuff, I kind of start tuning it out. But uh, I mean, I think there is some merit to that theory. So the reason why I bring it up is because you're talking about AI robots, humanoid. There is a theory that the classical alien with the big head and the big black eyes called the greys, those are actually AI. Those are robots sent either from another civilization or maybe humans from the future. Do you think if we progress in AI, we would get to that stage of like having robots that pretty much look like organic things? Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. I mean, we haven't done it. When we do our interplanetary exploration, we don't send humans. We send probes and rovers and things like that. So, you know, we could mirror that to what we do. So if there was a advanced race out there wanting to, you know, look at us, they probably wouldn't send themselves there. They would send something else. So their interpretation of a, a probe or a rover is a UFO with little gray people in there. So I think that's definitely a feasible theory. So relaying it back to THX, what did you think of the design of the robot guards? It had that 60s feel to their design. Yeah, they were in all black. Their face is like chromed out. Chromed out. out. They have like a riot gear kind of helmet on. How those uh, police droids are implemented is in a very Gestapo kind of way. But the funny thing about it is they're like the most polite police officers because they're always like, oh, everything will be okay. Just come with us. Like, you'll be fine. Like, you know, trying to soothe the fears of whoever they're trying to capture. But it doesn't always end that way. They have their politeness. But Mm -hmm. if you continue to not 
obey, they will beat you with their batons. Right. It's like, come with me, please. Yeah. As they raise their baton. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel good now. Yeah. So after he was imprisoned, him and SCN. Yeah. So it's THX, SCN, and they meet kind of like the Obi-Wan character. He's a hologram. So he's kind of like this mystical, technological person that looks like a human being. But used for entertainment purposes because earlier in the film, part of their entertainment is watching these holographic performances. So they meet that holographic actor who helps them escape. Yeah, he was kind of like a used car commercial. Yes, amongst other things. Yes. Um, Yeah, they keep the population subdued and to relieve their urges, they have, like, pornography displayed. Yeah. 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 Very he's strange. one of the actors in that, too. But, yeah, he's imprisoned after his trial that we talked about where he was found guilty of being an erotic. And they're in this big white abyss, him and SCN and PLO. Yep. And other various uh, <laughs> inmates... THX decides, well, after uh, this rousing speech by SCN, Blofeld from James Bond. He's Blofeld? He's Blofeld. Okay, so that's uh, Donald. Donald Pleasant. Yeah, because I, I know him from Halloween as uh, Dr. Loomis. Yes. Yeah, that's how I I forgot he was in Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as a big James Bond fan, I immediately was like, that's Blofeld. See, I didn't recognize him without that giant scar without on his face. Without the scar and the white cat. So yeah, uh, after a, a rousing speech by Blofeld, THX decides he's just going to walk in a direction and try to get out. Yes. And SCN decides to follow him. And they start to kind of get confused on where they are because there's no uh, point of interest. There's Mm -hmm. nothing around. And then off in the distance, the hologram actor appears and they say, oh, where's the way out? And he points and says, that's the way out. And they look behind and they said, oh, that's where we came from. But magically appears uh, like a doorway out into the chaos of the concrete city that they came from. Mm Mm-hmm. So George Lucas in his three acts of his movie, it's three different ways to explain the theme of leaving home. So the first one is he falls in love with L.U.H. and that's more of the conventional way. And then them going through the abyss is the more abstract way. And that's for me very jarring just to see them walk in a void. Yeah. And then the third act is the action way of leaving home. So after they go through the doorway and they go into the hustle and bustle of hundreds of thousands of people just walking around. So after they get through that, what happens? Well, they end up getting separated and SCN finds, as you had mentioned before, the production studio of their state-ran propaganda and he's led on his own bit of a chase where he ends up sitting on a bench and he sees some children at that moment i mean he knew his run was over and i think he wanted to take that time to appreciate something that because they don't live in a society where they take a step back to appreciate anything everything is work 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 so he used his last moments as a free individual to appreciate these two children you know and they're still pure in a sense 
before he's taken away by the extremely polite Gestapo. <laughs> yeah, a velvet-covered uh, iron fist. Yes. Yeah. So then after SCN is captured, THX learns the fates of LUH. Consumed. She was consumed. She was consumed. Yes. Makes you wonder what she was consumed Yeah, by. that word makes... I always think of being eaten. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, maybe there's a, a beast... Yeah. In the belly of the megastructure. So essentially she was killed Well, she was pregnant, but then they harvested her fetus and put that in a jar. Yeah. What's interesting is that that tube where the fetus is, it's L-U-H. It's, it says L-U-H, L-U-H-3417, which is her exact name. So for me, the way I interpreted the movie is... I felt like there was a spiritual journey aspect to it in three different ways. And so maybe that is a symbol for like reincarnation because like, is it the same numbers being used over and over and over again? Or is it new people? Because if you really think about it, they don't really need to have new names if they serve the same function. Yeah, because they only are, they only exist for one single purpose. So once they feel as if their time is over they're consumed and reborn into hell you know because that the the theory of reincarnation is to live a different life and maybe not make up for what you didn't do in your previous life but maybe to look at life a different way and and things like that but this is definitely the opposite of that that if this is you know reincarnation it's just a perpetual hell that you know you're you're consumed and then reborn Mm -hmm to save serve the same purpose um so it's a very bleak outlook yeah. at their existence it's like LUH was eliminated and erased in a blink of an eye but who's to say though if she did regenerate to the version we saw that she wouldn't still make those decisions mm. again so does that spirit like a predestined yeah is that consciousness or her spirit get erased and she's born into a new mind or will she continue to try to to get out of that situation it's definitely an interesting thought would she be the same person even though she's like cloned or i guess that's a a chance they're willing to take if it means another person on the production line yeah so um after they leave that area the hologram and thx take it upon themselves to escape by force which is they steal some race cars. Very cool, futuristic race cars. Oh, yeah. THX starts the ignition and drives off. A high-speed chase ensues. And what happens to our hologram friend? Well, he's a little too big to get into the car. <laughs> he finally squeezes himself in. And I don't know if it's his hologram self that can't quite figure out how to start the car but he has problems starting it. The robot police are almost there to capture him. He finally gets the car started and immediately crashes into a pole. Yeah, that surprised me. I was expecting him to get captured, but I didn't think it was going to be immediately. It's very visceral. It's yeah, like, as soon as that car starts, slams into a pole. Yeah, it's funny how the most technological thing in the movie can't operate a car. And it just shows that the purpose that the people serve, clearly robots can't do the job that 
the humans are doing so that's why they're kept around mm -hmm. that they weren't ultimately replaced by other robots created by robots kind of goes to show you that maybe the ai takeover won't work in the end because they still need us oh, or maybe it's going to be like a matrix situation or we're the batteries of the robots <laughs> <laughs> we could talk about this for i hours. think the 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 combinations and the theories are endless on what our place amongst AI stands. Right. So THX gets away. And what's interesting for me is like, we see a society and it looks pretty clean, like pretty sterile. And then he gets closer to the outside and it gets more and more like dark, uh, gets more beaten down. It looked unfinished. Like this society maybe was in the process of expanding because towards the end of his chase, there was workers that he crashed through their scaffolding. Yes, yeah. We're kind of led to believe that this concrete city was in the process of expanding through this highway he was driving on and mm -hmm. uh, he kind of ruined that because he crashed through what they were working on. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that scene is a lot of those like sceneries were just places in San Francisco. Yeah, it was their underground tunnel that I believe was still being worked on. Yep. So that's why it looked the way it did. Yeah, the BART system. Yeah. So THX evades police and he climbs to the top of the structure. Yeah, like it's a tunnel. There's a long ladder fixed into the concrete and he's climbing up it and the robot policeman is right behind him being polite yeah you know oh everything's going to be okay if you just come down um <laughs> but as this chase was unfolding we have cuts to a kind of command center and it shows how much the chase is costing the state <laughs> yeah. yeah throughout most of it this voice over the intercoms was saying oh we're we're doing okay this is under budget mm -hmm. Uh, and it shows, you know, how much under budget. And then at the end, as the robot policeman is on his tail going up this ladder, it, the chase hit over budget. And at that point, the profit margin was no more. And yep. the police robot had to leave him to see what is on the other side of that ladder. So I thought that was funny that like we're spending too much money. Too on much this money. Guy. Yep. Let him uh, figure it out. So my favorite shot of the entire movie is the end so he gets out of the structure and it's the sun setting the way it's shot they make the sun so huge and to achieve that they used a thousand millimeter length lens and to put that in perspective like a normal camera is like 50 millimeters so this lens is about four feet long and it was like the prized possession of Francis Ford Coppola. So they used that to get that one shot. Did you interpret that as the sun setting or the sun rising? I always thought it was setting. Because I felt as it was rising, because, you know, obviously movies are always filled with symbolism. That's yeah. unavoidable. As, as So I felt as if the sun rising was the more of symbolism for a new beginning for THX on the surface of the planet instead of setting where I felt like that message would be like, this is the end of his existence and he would uh, cease to exist. So I, I always thought it was rising. That makes more sense. Unless George Lucas has said that it was setting, but oh, if know, he did, it's no. wrong. George Lucas is wrong <laughs> in his own movie. That makes more sense that it's probably rising because 
it's a hopeful ending. Like everything is kind of like on the up and up, but we don't really know what happens to THX. And that's kind of like where his story ends is where Star Wars begins. Yes, exactly. (laughs) What if THX 1138 was Anakin's father? Could could be. (laughs) Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon is like, oh yes, who was the father? Uh, This man named THX. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're going to say no father. That makes no sense. (laughs) That would be great. To end the show, we like to do the one reason why. So what would be one reason you would recommend this movie to somebody? I would recommend it for the same reason why I wanted to watch it is because we all know George Lucas Mm -hmm. for Star Wars. Some know him also for Indiana Jones. We know the style of film he likes to make. He likes that drawn out adventure with several parts trekking through space or trekking through jungles and and things like that but this is the complete opposite you know where we have star wars as this big universe with many planets and thx 1138 were underground in this concrete city so it's a different kind of george lucas film it has a different feeling a different vibe to me a different way of filming you know like i said in the beginning i i felt immediately very stanley kubrick vibes in this film mm-hmm. if you want just a, a different take of a george lucas film that almost feels like art yeah watching this movie i got a lot of respect for george lucas yes because you know easily you can see him as like this pop movie type of guy where he makes you know star wars or indiana jones but like This movie is super Mm avant-garde. And the reason why I would recommend this to somebody is because it's a very deep movie. You can interpret this movie in a whole bunch of different ways because it is very minimal. It's a very art house sci-fi movie because you really have to think about it. So like this movie is kind of a reflection of 60s life. And like during that time, it was the height of the Cold War, East versus West, Eastern collectivism, western individuality and like you could totally see those two ideas coming together and clashing and then with the fears of being different mccarthyism or in thx's case eroticism yes eroticism (laughs) it's a great movie as like a think piece if emotions can be a movie that would be it agreed but that's it for this time on syndicate we hope you enjoyed yourself we've been talking about thx 1138 by george lucas Please check it out where it is available. And I'd like to take a moment to thank my guest, Anthony, for coming on the show. And if you'd like to keep the conversation going, please add us at Syndicate on your favorite social media platform. That's C-I-N-E-D-I-C-A-T-E, Syndicate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you have any questions about the program or even media that we recommend, please reach out at info at syndicate.com or visit the website syndicate.com until next time stop that scroll and spend more time watching bye